Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Good morning and welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Thursday as we get it started. Taking you up until noon today, a busy program as always. NFL continues to be at the forefront of the sports conversation and the landscape. We will get into that here today. A deep dive into the Chicago Bears as we will talk with Jeff Hughes from The Bears Blog. He's going to be joining us here coming up at the bottom of the hour, 1030. We'll talk with Jeff about everything going on with the Bears, the free agency moves that they made, and they got a quarterback to push push Mitchell Trubisky. We'll talk about Nick Foles making his way into Chicago coming up at 10.30. Also today, it is time for our rewind as we are going through some of the best and most memorable teams of the state's history. Today, the 2009 Iowa State football team. We will talk with Austin Arnod, go in-depth with him, talk about the crazy game against Nebraska, the eight-turnover game, a game that... Austin actually didn't even play, and it was Jerome Tiller who was playing for an injured uh, player in that one. That's coming your way at 11 o'clock, 11.20 then. We'll rewind it and go through each and every one of those games as we look back at 2009 today. Ken Miller is joining us, and we got a new system in place here, Ken. A uh, new little app here as you're tied in, and hopefully our audio quality is even better now going forward. Well, that's the plan, and um, hats off to my wife for installing an app because <laughs> it was uh, above my pay grade. But uh, you know, so far so good. We'll see if this works out, and maybe I'll be able to join you for you know more of the show than I've been able to uh, for the last couple of days. But yeah, onward and upward. We're all going to make the best of this, uh, not just in what we do, but with what everybody does. Uh, and you know, different different times, and you have to be able to adapt. And we're trying to do so as everybody is at Cakes and O, and everybody. But he is around the wonderful city in Des Moines and the entire central Iowa region. Um, times that we're not used to, and sadly we're going to have to get used to for the foreseeable future, I believe. Yeah, it's certainly looking that way. I was list- watching SportsCenter last night with Van Pelt. Uh, one of the great things I saw, they're replaying some great NCAA tournament games. They had the Paul Jesperson half-quarter against Texas. Hmm. That was a good one to see. Hmm. Uh, he mentioned right at the end, though, uh, what happened afterwards. It was just a, a slate conversation against Texas A&M. And we'd be talking about you and I with a couple of Sweet 16s yeah. over the last decade. Alas, that's certainly not the case after the meltdown late in that game against the Aggies. But uh, those memories, those memories are there because today we would be an hour away, Ken, from tip-off of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Trent, it's just crazy to think how the world has changed in the last week and, you know, the dominoes that fell. It was this time, it was what, last night, right? That the, uh, uh, that the, that it hit the NBA and that game was stopped in the middle of Utah or at some point, uh, Utah and the Oklahoma City Thunder. NHL was finishing their slate that the last night, but that would be the last NBA. That would be the last of the uh, NHL. The conference tournaments was was it at this time last week that we were watching St. John's and Creighton for the first twenty minutes, and they went to halftime. And we thought, you know, Trent, there's no way. I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised at all if they don't come back for the second half. And since then, it's been, you know, we had those MMA fights or UFC fights uh, from Brazil on Saturday. And now we're, we're living in the past. We're, we're, we're watching games that have been played before. Some folks are simulating games. 
Uh, but that's that's what we're left with. So I, I haven't watched Sports Center. What do uh, how do they get through it? And when you talked to Zubin earlier in the week, did he shed any light on what uh, ESPN plans on doing in these times? You know, at that time, it, I think it was still a little bit too early, too raw, and. For the foreseeable future, it was onward, upward. They still have the NFL. They have the NFL draft, which is a month away. And because of that, yep. I, I think everything, at least as normal as possible as they can be without games, because of the draft, they're going to be okay. But that that's the issue. And I think the same thing for us. You know, We're going to dive deep in the NFL draft, deeper than we ever have before. And there's things that we'll still be able to talk about. But if we get through, was it April 23rd? Mm-hmm. We get through that in the NFL draft, and we're still awaiting decisions, what's going to happen. Spring training is still a month, six weeks, eight weeks away at that point. That's when it's really going to get down to the nitty-gritty. For the next month, we're going to be fine. There's going to be things to talk about. We're going to do, I think, some more community outreach things and -hmm. and help different businesses out there and the restaurants and and the industries that need that kind of support and the people that still can support them. We're hoping that they're going to be able to do that also. But with that, there's still a backbone of sports here. We get past that time, though, Ken, look out. Because without any answers, that's where things, I think, get really, really concerning. No, it's the great unknown, Trent. I mean, it went from, what, it went from a week to two weeks uh, now to, you know, the casinos in Vegas, 30 days, sports a minimum of 45 days, NBA teams and NHL teams telling their players to stay in the city in which they play, uh, the, which they play for. Now, earlier in this week, that has changed. The players have been allowed to return to their respective homes, wherever those may be across the entire world. Spring training, the teams were going to stay uh, in at their base. But then coronavirus got a couple of minor leaguers with the Yankees, and then suddenly that's all changed. I know that there's still some players that are, you know, staying in the area and, you know, trying to work out, et cetera. Uh, but it, in, in the span of a week, I mean, think about this. This seems like it's been going on, at least it does to me, uh, for weeks, if not months. We're only a week into this, Trent, and um, like a week into – staying inside a week into no live sporting events and when sports do return and we're certainly counting on that happening and hopefully it's sooner rather than later how will they return will there will they return with people in the stands i mean if you're the hawkeye football or iowa state football or you and i football are you sending out your season ticket information to your you know, your email base to those people that have bought in the past, and I'm sure that a lot of them have already gone out, yeah. but will the ticket prices stay at the level that they are at? Will they be forced to come down? Because, look, everybody's going to have to tighten their belts through this, right? Uh, everybody is. And, you know, will you be able to write that check so you can sit in those seats? Athletic departments, I think that this is one of these stories that's going to gain a ton of traction in the day slash weeks ahead. And I know that uh, Jamie Pollard was on with the Fanatics earlier this week. He came back from, you know, being part of the selection committee and it was a good piece how his world completely, or his view rather, of uh, what is happening in our world completely changed. And, and I think that there's more Jamie Pollard's literally by the hour uh, out there that not brushed this off, but maybe didn't, eh, you know what, it's it's the flu, or 
I, I just don't buy the the frenzy that some people have and the the sky is falling. I, I, I'm not going to change anything I do. Well, people are changing now. And Pollard was a perfect example of that. But to finish where I started with, you know, with athletic department budgets, Trent, the NCAA insurance policy that we were alerted to while we, you know, we're still talking about the tournament, whether will it go forward or not, is only like 25% of the money that it normally would have generated. And let's be real here. What that money does, it allows the non-revenue sports to continue to go forward, right? It allows the rowing team and it allows the swimming and the diving teams and the golf team. Uh, that pays their bills and that pays their coaches. And I think we're in for a huge sports market correction, whether that be coaches' salaries, administrator salaries, the number of assistants that, you know, we used to be used to your, your staff used to be, you know, six or eight. Now that number's doubled. And these facilities that are still getting upgraded and built in the arms race that is college sports. Trent, I think what we're going to see in the next couple of years is a massive sports market correction. Will fans be able to show up? Are we only going to be able to watch these games on TV? You know, what's it going to be like to play a college football game at Kinnick or Jack Trice Stadium in the middle of September when the building is empty? Right. And here's another layer. Can you ask college athletes, amateurs, to participate uh, in these sports? Um, and it's a feeding ground for the pros. I get that. It's, 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 it's a very difficult decision. And trust me, around boardrooms at colleges across the country, if athletic departments aren't having these, not gloom and doom, but worst case scenario meetings, if they aren't now, they will be uh, in the day slash weeks ahead because nobody knows how this is going to turn out. And with that, taking it a step further past the sports realm is, Almost uh, a lot of people are out there, of course, working from home now, and we're going to see the impact of that as it leads to commercial properties. If people are going to say, you know what, does it make a ton of sense to go out there and have this huge building with hundreds and thousands of employees inside of this building when 25, 50, 75% of our work base can work from home and people can do it effectively? People listening right now, this is going to be your test run. I was talking to a couple of people mm-hmm. at principal, and, and that's what they were saying. I'm going to work harder now than I ever have before. It was people that have never been able to work from home, but because of this, because they want to have that ability, and they want to have the flexibility. And you know what? Someday I want to start my morning up at 7 o'clock, and others, I got things to do in the morning, and I got something with the kids, and I'm going to start it at 9, but I'm going to do it from home. I'm going to check in, and I'm going to do my best work right now because I know this flexibility for these businesses going forward, this is going to be something I think we're going to learn about in the business world, too. Yeah, it's a great point, Trent. The entire world is, uh, how, how do we come out of this, right? Cause the, here's the, here's the, you know, the frightening aspect of this. And I hate to be, um, that guy, right? And I, and I know I have been for the last couple of weeks, but if once we get through this wave that we're trying to, you know, uh, stunt the curve, if you will, um, it's supposed to happen again next year. This is the flu going forward on a yearly basis. But I'm confident, I'm confident that the brilliant minds throughout the entire world are all collectively, you know, trying to work on some preventative medicine, whether it's a vaccine or whether it's an outright cure. 
and someone in the world, one of these wonderfully talented scientists and medical people are going to come up with that. And until we get to that point, uh, this is what we're forced to do. And we're supposed to, you know, stay in when possible. And, you know, you see that those videos of those kids on the beach in Clearwater, Florida. And I get that they think that they're invincible and this won't happen to me. But they're now the biggest percentage of population that has been afflicted by this. The most recent DEET studies that have come out, they're not the ones that are dying, but they're the ones that are getting coronavirus just because they, for whatever reason, don't think that it pertains to them. It pertains to everybody. It does. And, uh, yeah, and the carriers that go along with it, schools, preschools, I'm dealing with that with a six-month-old and a four-year-old at home and, and the decision next week that, we're going to be keeping them away. We made that decision uh, yesterday, and mm-hmm. it's just bare bones. And though everything that these places have done and the impact to them, the impact to these preschools and, and to to the daycare facilities that are out there, the people that are involved in the day-to-day operations, the people working with your kids, and they're no longer able to work because of that, the trickle-down that happens there. Your schools, for the most part, are in good shape, at least as it pertains to the teachers and administrators, because... They have a great union behind them, and that helps out on that case. But what is it going to look like? When is school going to get back going? Is it going to get back going for this school year? Are we talking about August before we're talking about school again? And what's that going to lead to with families and the dynamic there and just right. learning and teaching these youth and keeping them occupied? And that's something my wife and I, we went through last night. She put together a great schedule. She's an educator, so she's really good at those type of things. But not everybody has that background. Not everybody is equipped to, unfortunately, be with your kids 24-7. You don't have a break. And and what is that going to lead to? And, you know, one thing you brought up, and I think it's a great point, is NAMI. And what they do with the National Alliance of Mental Health, this is something, and I'm not just talking about having your kids at home, but just in general, and the impact that it's going to make in our society as a whole, it is absolutely huge. No, Trent, you're right. Uh, the mental health aspect of this, people, you know, that um, stability issues or whatever, whatever they have, um, and, yeah, how are they going to be able to get through this? And, you know, you and I, are, in a way, are, are, are somewhat fortunate that, and you touched on it a little bit a couple of minutes ago, and as now our audience knows with what happened at the end of January when it became very apparent that, you know, there were a number of familiar voices no longer on KXNO, but what are these two guys here for and why doesn't it affect them? Well, we're not employees. And what we get, Trent and I, have are, are how we're compensated is we get a number of commercials that we can you know, turn around and reach out to the community. Trent, as, as we talked about in our show prep, which we never had to do before because we always had sports and, <laughs> right. you know, we, we just, you know, bring up a game and boom, off we would go uh, type of thing. But what we talked earlier is we're kind of thinking about doing a, not every day, certainly not the entire show, but maybe carving out a half hour of our show. And I don't know what we would call it yet, but just for lack of better description, I mean, WHO for years had Radio Tradio, where people would call in and, I got a lawnmower, this is, this is Bill in, in Altoona, and my, I've got a lawnmower to sell, I'd like $35, here's my phone number. And then they go on to the next. Well, what we're thinking of doing is reaching out to some of these restaurants that are affected by this, that are now curbside only, and, you know, putting the owner of that restaurant so he can tell people, you know, I'm... 
I'm, I'm Bill. I own ABC Foods, and we're going to be open for carryout. Well, here's one. I'll use Claxons because I, mm-hmm. I stopped by Claxons on Monday. And, or what, when did they, when did the restaurants close? What, Tuesday was it Tuesday? Tuesday? I think, yeah. Okay, so Tuesday, I, I stopped by Claxon's, as I said, I was going to do after the show and grab some takeout, enough takeout to, you know, to tide me over for three or four days. And I asked Andy, you know, what you plan on doing. And he had just gotten the news that the restaurants are shutting down. And he said that they're going to open from four until eight. And they're going to be obviously takeout only, but you're, they're going to be answering the phones uh, at some point in the afternoon. They'll begin answering the phones. They'll take the orders and they'll get as many people through the drive-through. But Andy's not alone, and Claxons isn't alone. Um, you and I, I think, should you know make it available to some of the you know the, those those small businesses that are uh, in our community that we're so near and dear to us, and see what you and I can do. To maybe help them, maybe carve out 15 minutes, maybe carve out a half an hour and try and get 10 of them on one day and 10 of them another day, just as a, as a public service to at least maintain a shred of normalcy. And you and I are lucky to be able to do that, Trent, because we're compensated with commercial airtime instead of a financial package. And maybe we should do that. I don't know. No, I think it's a really good idea. And I know there's a bunch of places out there. I'm on, on a Facebook group that has just that. And it's uh, it's a Des Moines. My neighbor, in fact, uh, invited me to it yesterday. Let me fi- see if I can find the name of it. But it is Des Moines Food Options Amid the Outbreak. And it is different restaurants that are open, what they're doing for carryout. So it'd be great for us to be able to invite those businesses on the yeah. air. Call them up, tell, get the times, get when they're going to be on. And for people that want to help out, that can help out, and reach out to these businesses and get takeout and, and keep them afloat as we go through this. No, I think it's a, a really, really good idea and something I'm looking forward to getting going here uh, on our program each day from 10 till noon. Well, Ken? We yeah, no, say- absolutely. I mean, the, the other thing, I mean, I talked to the Food Bank of Iowa this morning. We're going to help them and Habitat for Humanity and... I maybe we shouldn't have said anything until all the plans are finalized, but I have a hard time believing that we're going to get. No, I don't want you to do that. Um, you know, from the from anybody uh, involved in the uh, in iHeart Des Moines, pretty good group of folks, and I think if we can help Trent, look at what what game are we going to be missing, right? right. If we carve out a half an hour, right. you know, <laughs> you you really should be able to. In, in this time, be able to do that with some of our airtime, and that's what I'm going to recommend us doing is kind of plan on the fly here. I'm right there with you. Well, we did have some homework last night, a homework assignment yes. inside of the world of sports, the documentary on NBC Sports Chicago. I'm back. Michael Jordan, 25 years ago, I guess it was, right, 1995, yep. made the announcement that he is coming back with a single fax and well, it was just a half hour. I, I wanted more, that's for sure. Yeah, I did too. I, I really did. Um, but it was a really good half hour trend. Nah, I should, it was okay. Maybe I, maybe my expectations were through the roof. Maybe I thought we were going to see kind of a, a pilot, if you will, for what ESPN is going to put out in their 10 part series. A, I was floored when it was only a half hour. I was, you know, I thought that, well, this is, I'm just going to be getting ensconced in this and this is how I'll spend my night watching a little bit of sports and taking a trip down memory lane but it's crazy how much stuff you forget right at least it was for me uh some of the stuff you don't know about the fact that you know jordan before he let the world know that he was planning on coming back of all teams he's practicing with the golden state warriors 
And, uh, you know, just to get his or uh, just to get his, you know, does he still have it type of thing? Because he'd been away for 21 months from the game. And uh, and then when they they cut to Tony Kukoc and it's crazy how everybody's aged. Right. But that's the world we live in. We all do. Uh, Kukoc is completely great. I don't know. Would you have recognized him if you didn't if he didn't open his mouth and speak? No, not at all. That, that was I wouldn't have. That was one of the standout moments there where. When they first cut to him, who's this? And then they get the little right. thing on the bottom. Oh, that's that's Tony Kukoc. Okay. Yeah. Just not how you remember guys. And, and Tim Hardaway, he, he looks the same, right? Tim, I mean, he did. Yeah, the, no, the he did. Two step, he, was he, he was still out there looking like the same guy out there. But Kukoc, <laughs> that wasn't the case. Half hour, and I wanted more of they showed when he came back that first game against the Pacers. That's what I mm-hmm. wanted more of. I wanted to see right. more. I want. I mean, was there even a mention? I don't even remember of the series that they lost to Orlando Magic. I know there no. was a clip where no. they talked about it was though when Jordan was retiring initially, and he was talking about Shaquille, you know, coming into yeah. the league, and he was talking about that. But there wasn't anything about the way that it turned out, and that was that thing could have been two, three. I mean, you could extend that out for a long time, half hour, just not enough. No, I'm with you, Trent. I mean, I thought for sure we were going to see because if you remember that Orlando series. And I think I do, but I'm not sure I do, I guess. That's when he changed back to 23. He was 45 until they lost, like, maybe game one of that, or maybe it was on the eve of... No, I don't think it was on the eve of the series. I think he began the series as number 45, and because they'd retired number 23, and he was going to come back in 45, and that was his number in baseball, and he'd worn that number in other sports before, apparently. And he came back at 45. He played, I don't know, one game in that series, and they got beat. And the next time, because I can remember this, I can kind of remember this, thinking to myself that, oh, boy, it's on now. Number 45 is a thing of the past. Number 23 is back. And there might be another level there. Look, he was still really good at number 45, but you just thought, all right, here he goes again. The best player in the world is now complete. He's got his number back, and this is going to be incredible to watch. Well, it was good, but as we know, they got beat by Orlando that year, who would go on to get swept by Houston? Did they play Houston? Yeah, it was Houston. It was. You're right. Yeah. Nothing was the sweep. I'm looking here at the 1995 playoffs. So in the conference semifinals against the top seed Orlando, they lose 4-2. The Bulls do in that series. Orlando goes on. But didn't you? Can you see anything about him changing his number in that series? Uh, Let's see if that came up here. I'm kind of scrolling through 45 and just kind of talking about why he chose 45 when he came back. In this article that I'm looking at, there, I'm sure I'll pop. It'll pop up at some point, but okay. I, I think you're right, though. It, it happened. I think I it was am in too. the playoffs. It had to be yeah. in the playoffs. And after a loss, yeah. yeah, that would make a whole lot of sense. The way he was that uh, Houston team, they were a six seed in the West that year. I didn't. Right. Re- I didn't remember that either. They beat Utah no, the three either. in the first round. Phoenix was the two in the conference semifinals, and then top seeded San Antonio in the Western Conference Finals to get their shot against Orlando. That's one. What Nick Anderson missed some big free throws there in Game mm, One or Two. Yes, against yes, Houston. yes. Remember that? That was about the only memories really I have of that part of it, though. I mean, the series before, the year before with Houston and Knicks is a lot more memorable because of what was happening outside of the basketball with OJ and the Bronco Chase.
Yeah, right. I mean, crazy time in the world, right? Baseball was shutting down. Baseball would not hold the World Series. I think hockey was on hiatus. God, I long for the days of labor uh, labor disputes shutting down sports. Don't you miss those? Yeah. I do. I wish that's what we were in right now. We didn't have games because this was a labor dispute, not a pandemic. Um, I miss those days. Um, but, yeah, it was just a crazy world of sports. And when Jordan came back, the two worlds and uh, the two words on the fact, David Falk, his agent, who um, you know wrote all these different paragraphs for him? What what do you want your statement to be? And, and I think he said he wrote five or six of them. He, he said that uh, you know I'm a pretty good writer, and I thought I'd done some good work, and I put these in front of Michael for his approval. And he looked at him, and I could tell that he wasn't really digging any of these. And then he put a pen to paper, and he came back. He wrote down two words. And those two words resonated across sports as the fax machine. You remember the sound of the fax yes. machine dialing yeah. up? <laughs> I'm back. You, uh, I found it here. It was after game one. After game one of the, the Eastern Conference semifinals, he changed back from 45 to number 20. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, it was after Nick Anderson apparently made a joke about number 45 not being 23. So he Is that back. right? He switched back to 23 after that one. That Jordan dude, boy, he was fun, wasn't he? Oh my God, Trent! One of the greats. I mean, that does maybe save this for, you know, another day. Um, you know, just the the greats, right? I mean, I, I saw Bob Ryan yesterday uh, with the fact that Brady's moved on from Boston sports, trying to put together his Mount Rushmore of Boston sports, and he had to kick Larry Bird off Ooh. that Mount Rushmore. And for Bob Ryan, that uh, I mean. He's gonna he's gonna be fine, but at the time when he was doing that, um, you know, he said that was a very difficult decision because he's got to find a place for Bill Russell and he's got to find a place for Ted Williams, and he believes strongly that Bobby Orr is the greatest hockey player of all time, not Boston Bruin, the greatest hockey player, and you can certainly make that argument, but he's got to put Tom Brady on that. And there's only four places. And he had to kick Larry Bird off, and he struggled with that. But, um, you know, some of the great athletes, and Michael Jordan was clearly one of the best to ever play. Um, you know, maybe we can do the greatest athlete, and I know people are on Twitter that you've ever seen in person. Yeah. Uh, maybe that'll be an exercise we can do uh, if we're still lacking sports in the, in the months ahead. Well, we do have some sports to talk about right now. In fact, we're going to do it next. Jeff Hughes from DeBear's blog, NFL Free Agency. Time to dive into the Chicago Bears. They brought in somebody to push Mitchell Trubisky. It's Nick Foles. Nick Foles of the Eagles. I like it. Thumbs up. Nick Foles of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Thumbs down. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Coming up on the other side, Jeff Hughes, DeBear's blog. He's up next. Miller and Connick continues. 1460 KXNO and now. Slash Joy. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. We continue here on a Thursday, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Ken, as uh, we welcome in Jeff Hughes from the the Bears blog, you mentioned right as we were going into the break, you're all in here. You you like this move for the Bears and Nick Foles becoming the guy that's going to at least battle up and, and go up against the incumbent Mitchell Trubisky. 
Well, I think I like the fact, Trent, that they only gave up a fourth-round pick because they don't have a surplus of draft picks by any means. Mm -hmm. I think I like the Robert Quinn move better, (laughs) but he can't throw the football. And um, obviously, if you don't have a quarterback at any level, you don't have much of a chance. I I, I like the fact that now Trubisky's going to have some competition, right? I don't know if Nick Foles is the answer or not. There were other quarterbacks out there that, you know, I'm not a Bears fan. I'm a Broncos fan, but I thought might have been higher up on the list. But maybe they were out of their price range and... You know, we've seen Foles play well in the past. He certainly wasn't good in Jacksonville this year. But uh, we've seen Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago, and he hasn't been good either. So it's worth a shot, and you only have to give up a pick, a fourth-round pick. I think that's a pretty good move. Well, let's see what Jeff Hughes thinks about the move. Jeff, welcome in. Joining us from Chicago, TheBearsBlog.com is where he can go for great news and notes on the Chicago Bears. Great articles as he joins us here today. Hey, Jeff. Nick Foles, he's there. He's got a great nickname, one we can't say on the radio. You like the move for Chicago's perspective? Uh, Nick Foles is the answer. If the question (laughs) is, how do we find a way to not start Mitchell Trubisky in 2020? And the Bears, as I reported yesterday, have been sort of quietly shopping Mitch Trubisky around the league. There Mm -hmm. have not been many takers. Uh, I do not believe this will be a competition. I do not believe Mitch Trubisky mm. is going to make it on this roster. I have been sort of keeping that information to myself till I saw how the quarterback situation broke down. But I think that Ryan Pace has made his argument to ownership. I think he has convinced them to let him take another shot at quarterback. They have two second-round picks this year. I would not be surprised to see them package those picks to move up or to use one of those picks on a quarterback. Um, I think this organization is now ready to move on from Mitch Trubisky. They should be. Anybody who's watched him play understands that. And Nick Foles is the kind of veteran with an understanding of this offense that they needed. And, you know, guys, not to get too into what is, of course, taking over everybody's mindset, but what happens if we don't have an off-season program? What happens if there's a training camp? What happens if the season's cut down to eight games or starts later? They needed a veteran guy who could come in here and know this offense. And Nick Foles can go day one and take snaps under center. So I, I don't think the COVID-19 virus uh, is, is out of play here. I think the Bears are thinking we need a guy who can command mm-hmm. the huddle day one and understand the offense. And he certainly does that from his time that they spent together in uh, in Kansas City with uh, with Nagy, etc. Yeah, that's an interesting tentacle of this, and one that you know I hadn't considered, Jeff. And I think that's a very valid point uh, that you make. Well, see, I had seen speculation that maybe Carolina. This was earlier, and this was when it became uh, uh, that I realized for the first time that maybe they are shopping Trubisky because one of the rumors that I had seen and at the time I saw is, oh, you know what, this kind of makes sense. Uh, Cam Newton coming to Chicago and Trubisky going back to Carolina, which would have made sense when you consider, you know, his, where he played his uh, uh, his college football. But that was an indicator to me that at least they were listening. So did they get close, Jeff, from your reporting on moving on from Trubisky? I think they're still trying. And I, 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 did, I did not think they got any kind of an offer that made it worth it at the time. Um, so, so I'd say they are still trying. He may be released after the draft if they if they get somebody they want in that second round slot. Uh, but I mean, the, the overall, the bigger the Cam Newton situation is very unique because nobody that I've spoken to in the league trusts that he's healthy. Nobody. Right. I know Charlie Casserly tweeted that he is, and I'm not sure I'm ready for Charlie Casserly's medical diagnoses right now. But you know, other if, if Cam Newton were 100 percent healthy, 
there would be teams pursuing him openly. Mm-hmm. He is a terrific player. He's also a superstar. He's the kind of guy that sells tickets. Why aren't the Chargers beating down his door to be their starting quarterback next year in a new building? I just don't think people trust that a guy who played the position the way Cam did and took the beatings he took is suddenly going to rebound after a year and a half of serious injury. So I think the Bears would have would have considered Cam, but they couldn't take that health risk going into next year. I mean, listen, they're all risky. Andy Dalton's coming off an injury. Nick Foles is coming off an injury. Um, Tom Brady's old. You know, the, the, you don't find top-tier franchise quarterbacks in March because if you, if you have one, you don't let them go. When you whiff on the second pick overall and the second pick overall is a quarterback, you get on what I call the quarterback hamster wheel, and you just have to hope you can find a guy to be the stopgap answer for a year or two until you find the future. I was hopeful that Jameis Winston would be the guy that finds his way to Chicago. I, I don't know. The, the, the Nick Foles one just doesn't do a whole lot for me. I was in the belief that Jameis Winston, and it's not that he had LASIK surgery and he can see better, though maybe that will help, but there is still a ton of talent there. And also hearing the last day from some of the Tampa Bay players, he was a beloved figure inside of that locker room there. I still think we're going to see even better football out of Jameis Winston. I was hoping, you know, you're talking about getting a guy for pennies on the dollar. I think they could have got that with Jameis Winston. Well, Jameis Winston threw for 5,100 yards last year. He threw for 33 touchdowns, and he doesn't have a job right now. And I don't think that's ever happened in the history of the NFL, and it'll probably (laughs) never happen again. There are serious character concerns. We all know those. But it does not make sense to me that there's not a franchise out there willing to take a flyer on him. Now, there's a franchise out there who doesn't have a who don't have a quarterback right now, who I could very easily see giving Jameis Winston a shot, and that's Bill Belichick. Patriots. Patriots. And yep. I mean, why not? If you're Bill Belichick, take the flyer on the guy. If you go three and thirteen, there's a, there's a quarterback out there next year to rebuild your franchise with in the draft. I could see <laughs> Bill Belichick making that move. I could see Bill Belichick also going for Andy Dalton, somebody he's reportedly liked. Uh, uh, Jameis is a very interesting case because right now we're down to very few openings for him. So is Jameis Winston a guy you'd want as your backup quarterback? Because pretty soon that's the range of money he's going to be looking at. Talking with Jeff Hughes right now from the Bears blog as we go inside the Chicago Bears. Wasn't Nick just just Nick Foles though that came in? The Bears have been pretty active here overall in free agency. The biggest one is what they've done along that defensive line with Robert Quinn coming into a long-term deal and cutting ties with Leonard Floyd. Floyd is a guy certainly that has not lived up to the expectations as a first-rounder himself. He is jettisoned. Robert Quinn in. Your thoughts on that? So Leonard Floyd is a guy the organization liked a great deal. And his athleticism really did show itself. He's, He's maybe the best coverage outside linebacker in the game. He can get out in space. He's great on backs, great on tight ends. But the pass rush production just never came. And it was very apparent last year as Max struggled with some injuries and Hicks wasn't on the field, that they were getting nothing in the pass rush department off the edge. And so they had to make a decision this offseason. And they went and got the best pure pass rusher on the market. And that's what Quinn is. He's a pass rusher. And pairing him with Khalil Mack, I think you now have maybe the most fearsome duo of pass rushers in the game. Uh, Green Bay certainly has a couple of good ones as well, but I, this Niners. was a decision about and the Niners. This was a decision about yep. about getting to the quarterback. 
they could no longer sacrifice one of their edges as a coverage man when the when when teams were doubling and tripling Khalil Mack with with Hicks, with Mack, with Quinn. Good luck if you want to double or triple any of them, because they're now going to get to the quarterback. And and it was also a recommitment of this franchise to defense. I think you're seeing with Quinn, with Jimmy Graham, with Nick Foles, this is a team now building for a shot. I think they have they have made their decisions here to take a quick shot in 2020 and try to steal a title. And I think those moves could could pay out. Yeah, I like the move. I really do. I think Quinn is, uh, as you said, he was the best of what he does uh, does uh, available, and they went out and got him, and that is frightening. So I want to go back to where you were a minute ago, Jeff, if you would. Is there, you know, that second round, if they can't package their, their pair of twos to, to move up and get somebody? I know Jordan Love is making his way now, apparently, uh, into first-round conversation, of course. Uh, Herbert's going to be gone, and Tua's going to be gone, and Burrow is going to be gone. Who's that next group of quarterbacks um you know not the jordan loves maybe uh uh from or is, is there anybody how about jalen hurts at oklahoma who i had a really good combine and opened some people's eyes that maybe he can play at the nfl is there are there one or two quarterbacks that you think more likely for the bears offense out of that second round uh ranked group I think you name both of them. I, I think if, if you're looking for, apparently Fromm is never going to wow people with his physical traits, but he's a mm-hmm. whiz on the board, and he's the kind of guy that they trust to run and operate an offense, even though he's not going to kill anybody with his arm strength. Hertz has been a name I am hearing around the Bears constantly. Now that mm-hmm. might mean that they have no interest, because they have gone dark on a lot of people recently. But I think a Hertz or an Eason or a Fromm I, I think there's value at quarterback in the second round, and I would not be surprised at all if one of those three guys ends up in Chicago. Going to be uh, certainly a lot going on there as it pertains to the draft. No first-round pick. The two in the second round. So many different things that they can do. Back to the quarterback. You mentioned the possibility of using one of those second-round picks on a quarterback. Is it something? Are the Bears in that spot that it makes sense for you? Is it? I mean, it completely shuts the door. You'd have to think using a second rounder on Trubisky going forward. Is it Ryan Pace? Can can he save his job with anything short of the team making a playoff run this year and drafting really well also this season? Uh, Here's what I'll say about Ryan Pace. The ownership very much likes him. They very much appreciate what he's done in rebuilding the culture of the team, which was not in a good place when he took over. The defense he has built is sensational. They are, they are deep across the board. But he whiffed on quarterback. And when you whiff on quarterback, it can devastate a franchise. Uh, I do not think, and I've heard people say this is a make-or-break year. Listen, if they go in the tank and go 6-10, and 10, yes, I think ownership would reevaluate Ryan Pace as the general manager. I just don't see how this roster can go 6-10. and 10. And especially without Mitch Trubisky, who probably cost them two or three games last year, an adequate Nick Foles pitching 90 quarterback ratings is going to get this team to 8-8 eight and eight or above. Remember, there's an additional playoff team this year, so 9-7 and seven will most likely get you into the postseason. I don't think his job is at jeopardy as long as they continue to play the way they have played. But again, I don't think ownership is going to want to see Nick Foles for more than maybe next year. I, I don't mm. think this, they want to see this veteran after veteran after veteran that as Bears folks and Bears media and Bears fans, we're just so tired of it. It's been decades, seemingly, of the journeyman quarterbacks. They want to see a plan at quarterback, and I, and I think Pace can sell them on 
get, let me get a second rounder, let him learn for a year under Foles, and then we'll go out and we'll take a shot on that guy. And if that guy doesn't pan out, well, then Pace won't have a job. Hmm, interesting. I'm anxious to hear your take uh, on the the other three teams as far as you know if you've if you've kept up on what the Vikings and the Lions and the Packers have done. Is, are there one of those you know that trio of teams uh, that share uh, residents in the NFC North that you think have gotten appreciably better in this last couple of days? No, I mean I, I don't know how anyone could argue that the Vikings are better without Stephon Diggs. Uh, I don't know how anyone can argue that the Lions are better without Darius Slay. Yeah. And I think the Green Bay Packers are going to be good. I mean, I think that pass rush and that defense has made them a formidable team. So uh, you'd have to make them the favorite. They've got Aaron Rodgers. If you have Aaron Rodgers, you're the favorite to win the division. And I think they established a good running game last year. We'll see if they can build on that. And the pass rush is terrific. So, listen, I, I think the Packers are still the favorite. They don't. They you know generally don't do much this time of year, though last year they did. And I think the Vikings are going to take a step back, and I and I just don't understand what the Lions do. I, I don't, I can't ever <laughs> quite put it all together uh, at how they operate that franchise. You know, they gave a, they gave Nick Williams a, a lot of money to come be a DT. Nick Williams is not that good, and it, it's a, it's an issue for them. I think that that group there is probably on their last legs uh, as coach and GM. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Packers have have sort of held serve in the offseason. I think they'll be a 10-11 win team, but I think the Bears can be right there with them if they get adequate quarterback play from Foles. Optimism at a time where there just isn't a whole lot out there, at least uh, worldwide. We'll let you go with this, Jeff. You are in the epicenter. You are in New York. That's where you work. That's where you live. You're in New York City. So with what's happening outside of the sports world with COVID-19, tell us a little bit. Take us there for people here in the Midwest, in Iowa, and and what the scene is like for you out there. And I called you today in your office. You're still in your office at least every day. Yeah, I mean, my office is very close to my apartment, which is, which is helpful. Uh-huh. Um, guys, <laughs> I can only just tell you that the last week has been the most surreal week of my life. And I lived two blocks from the Trade Center when 9-11 happened. That was, mm. I thought, going to be the most surreal week of my life. Uh, I felt like a zombie wandering the streets during that period. This has been even stranger because I just it, it doesn't feel real. Um, and, and, as, and as you look out the window, you don't see people. There's no one around. The subways are empty. Um, yeah. Having bars and restaurants closed in New York City is the most unfathomable thing I could ever understand. And I was at a bar the other night, uh, on the last night they were open, and it was a bunch of bartenders and a bunch of waitresses in there looking at each other and saying, what are we going to do? Um, right. It is a surreal scene here, guys. I, I, there's no other way to paint it. A lot of uh, very important restaurants and very important bars and very important establishments are probably not going to survive this. And it is going to be a, a, a depression for that industry that I hope folks understand. And, and I'll tell you, it's coming to you guys, too. It, it, this is not going to be yep. restricted to us. We were just well, first. So what I would say is if, if, if you can, in the next few weeks, you know, frequent and patronize the restaurants. You don't have to go sit with a group, but frequent them. And buy gift cards and Too put late. money into these establishments because they're going to need your support so much in the coming weeks. Because when you get to where we're at, and we're just at the beginning of it ourselves, it just it, it relegates you to, to a ghost town, and it happens it happens very fast. 
No, it does. And we've shut restaurants here, and it's takeout uh, here in Iowa, too. You know what strikes me, Jeff? And I saw the shots of the subway, and you're 100% right. But it's Times Square that really resonates with me. When I see those shots, and I don't have to tell you what Times Square is like at any time on any day, um, but there's nobody there. Uh, it's That's the old Manhattan, too. I mean, I have friends who have been walking around Manhattan up Park Avenue and taking pictures, and there's no cars. And it, it's it's... It's a very surreal scene. Um, listen, the fact that there's nobody in Times Square is a good thing for society yes. right now. We shouldn't be congregating. But if, if we all think that this thing's going to pass and everyone's just going to come flooding back to Times Square, I just don't see psychologically how that happens. This is going to linger in these communities and these areas for a long, long time. It's great to hear that you tell people. These restaurants are staying open. A lot of my local restaurants are doing great takeout business right now, and they're mm-hmm. going to need it. These, the, the waiters need it, and the cooks need it. So as much as we can continue to, to support these places, because they're the ones that are going to pay the long-term price, our short-term payment is simple. Stay home when you can. Don't go out too much. That's Listen, I, I saw a great tweet that said, the greatest generation paid for, for freedom by lying bl- bloody on Normandy Beach. We're just being asked to stay home and watch Netflix. So it's really yeah. not that big of a deal for us. But these local, these local uh, small businesses are going to pay this price long term. So anything you can do to support them, I just think you should. Well put, Jeff. No Preaching to the choir, Jeff yeah. Hughes. Thank I you know, for we're, that. We're doing everything that we can here in Iowa. You do the same in New York. And we'll have NFL Draft to talk about here in the coming weeks. And we'll, uh, we'll be ringing your bell a little bit more than we normally do in the spring, if that's okay. You might as well. i got nothing else to do. <laughs> we'll see you, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Hughes. Thanks, Jeff. From the Bears blog, joining us here on Miller and Conan. Quick timeout, coming back on the other side. We'll put a cap on our number one still to come. Our deep dive will continue today. We're going to look back at 2009, the Iowa State football team, the insight bowl for them, the victory against Minnesota, and one of the wildest games in college football in a long, long time. Eight turnovers in the victory against Nebraska. Austin Arnott is going to join us to talk about that season. We'll talk about that team in our deep dive to 2009 as we do each and every day here on Miller and Condon. Coming back on the other side with more, 1460 KXO and now 106. Limitations apply. Ten fifty seven on Miller and Condon, 1460 KXO and now 106.3 FM. Ken, uh, got something just absolutely incredible here for you as we finish up our number one. Andy Woodley, name I know you know incredibly well, the Woodley family, big in the sports world here in central Iowa. Andy has helped me out a lot with the sponsorship of high school sports on KXNO. He's doing a great thing at Sinorama of Urbandale. For local bar and restaurant owners, they're giving out free yard signs to put in front of their businesses, letting people know about new hours, pickup procedures, delivery information, all those different things. Again, for local bars, restaurants that are listening right now, no cost. That's from Andy Woodley and the guys over at Sinorama of Urbandale. And, and just another one, that Woodley family, another. And these are the people that are so important, knowing what local, what the importance of this community is. And Andy Woodley's just a, yet another one of those people. No, Trent, that that's wonderful news and, and, and good for them for doing this. You know what? You know what I, I can see in a roundabout way this happening? Bringing your country back together again. Yeah. 
um, because it, it, it had kind of come apart at the seams a little bit from where I sit as far as, you know, wasn't the same. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I don't have an opinion on that. But, you know, people helping people is, you know, one of the fabrics, at least that, um, you know, as a foreigner that I've that I've noticed since I've been here now 31 years. And these are the stories, Trent, and there's going to be more of them, you know, when the times are the toughest and it seems like it's the darkest. It's people pulling other people together and bringing everyone together and helping out and with one common goal, and that's getting through this son of a bitch. It's a, it's a rough time, but coming together as a country, a great thing to see. You can email Andy A. Woodley at SignoramaIowa.com. We're also Eric Johnston over there. Eric at SignoramaIowa.com. That's where you can email the guys information. They also have it up on their Facebook page. That's Signorama of Urbandale and Andy Woodley, and a great, great measure for the bar and restaurant owners out there that are still serving food, still doing things like that. Help you out, get a sign out there so people know what they can do to get and help out you. That does it for hour number one here of Miller and Condon. Still another hour to go. Our deep dive to 2009, the Iowa State football team. Austin Arnaud's going to begin it. Let's see if we can get some stories from that. Some things we didn't know about as our deep dives continue. Great teams in the state of Iowa. That's next on KXNO.